the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Taco Tuesday. So you know what that means? It's Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah, let's taco about it, okay? I had a little taco uh, a few moments ago. Uh, not my favorite taco because it was turkey and ham, which doesn't even necessarily qualify hmm. as a taco. But it did have some jalapeno cheese, and it was inside of a tortilla. Did you make it yourself? I did. Well, I, I don't, I'm saying that doesn't count. Sorry. That's, You're giving me a no, no that bueno is not on a my taco, taco Tuesday? That's okay. not a taco. So, okay. <laughs> uh, one, so was it like lunch meat ham or, or yeah. like thick ham? What's the difference? I mean, well, all ham is lunch meat. I mean, it's basically, no, it's a slab of ham. No, okay. well, there's like honey baked ham and then there's like Foster Farms one centimeter thick ham. It was, it was some kind of bougie ham that you get in the deli that comes wrapped. It wasn't like, I don't eat no like... Oscar Mayer ham, okay? It wasn't Oscar Mayer ham. Okay, so that's one strike is you put a okay. lunch meat ham in your quote-unquote taco. <laughs> strike two is that it wasn't a hard shell. It's a soft tortilla. I know. So. I typically I typically am totally a, you know, corn hard shell gal. I like a gringo taco. I like a gringo taco style. Okay, that's how I roll. But in a pinch, when it's Taco Tuesday, yes. if I can roll it in a tortilla, I'm going to count it, okay? <laughs> But just because you're quibbling, yeah. I'm actually, after the show tonight, I'm going to maybe take a run for the border. There you go. And hit up Taco Bell and get me a couple of original tacos. Oh, that's almost as bad as your tacos. What? A Taco <laughs> Bell. Not? That's almost as bad as your tacos. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go to, what is that, Dos Milpas or... Uh, or, the one you always talk about? Or or? Bahia Don Bravo. I, who's got time to go all the way down to Bahia Don Bravo in Bird Rock? Okay, great tacos, I might add. Well, and it's, hard, it's hard to find um, a place that does deals anymore on Taco Tuesday. I, I know. It's a sign of you the know, economy. The, There's no you, Taco Tuesday no. deals. You also you used to be able to take a run for the border and pick up a couple for ninety nine cents. I don't even think the Jack and the Crack tacos for not, two tacos for ninety nine cents exist anymore. No, I mean, Bidenomics is Bi- destroying <laughs> the value menu. Really, destroying it. No, that it is true. It, there is. I don't think there's anything that's ninety nine cents anymore on any fast food menu. menu. And it used to be like the Jumbo Jack was ninety nine cents. The two tacos. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there was a cheeseburger. Now they're all like a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. I I eat I rarely eat fast food and when I do it's in a pinch and I used to always just get the kids meal and it would be like a dollar ninety nine two ninety nine it's like seven bucks a kids meal now <laughs> I don't know how 
how is anybody affording taking their family? You can't afford to buy groceries. You can't afford to take the family out on a little night out to go eat. No, it's actually more expensive, even on fast food, I, I think, than, you know, if you went to the, even though prices at the grocery store are ridiculous, but you can find stuff on sale and it really is cheaper nowadays to cook on your own. And right. it used to be, oh, well, you do fast food when you didn't have much money and you needed to be real quick. Mm-hmm. But now it's, yeah. you know, that convenience, they're charging you for it. And do they well, ever, not do only they, that, go ahead. Do they ever give you a hard time for ordering the kids meal? They used to. Back in the day when I first started going through getting kids meals and they would say, what do you want for your drink? And I would say Diet Coke. They'd be like... I could tell. They'd be like, because <laughs> they would be like, do you, for the kid, do you want a boy toy or a girl toy? And I had nieces and nephews. I'd be like, boy toy. So then they're like, what do you want for drink? Diet Coke. And I'd be like, hey, we That's know you ain't funny. getting this for no boy. Okay. Well, I used to boy, get Six-year-old boys don't drink Diet Coke. Okay. It was the beverage that, that would give me giveaway. away. Well, I that used, was the giveaway. I used to get uh, kids meals, like Happy Meal and stuff, when there was a cool Marvel toy. And so I'd usually try to go towards the in the evening, and I'd pile up a bunch of clothes in my back seat and put like a baseball cap on it, and I'd drive through, and they'd, I'd go, I'd go, let me get a regular cheeseburger and a kids, but what's what's that, Billy? What do you want? Oh, um, yeah, a cheeseburger kids meal, and and then I'd pull up and get the toy back. Oh, yeah, Billy already has venom. Do you have Green Goblin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen to you playing the drive-through workers for some Marvel, Marvel trickeries, so yeah. for some Marvel tricks. No, but I mean, seriously. Well, part of the problem with the, with the reason why fast food prices have gone up, it's not just that the cost of the food itself. Even even though they get their their food from like a supplier like Food Maker, Jack in the Box uses Food Maker, who actually supplies the actual food. Um, that's gone up because the ingredients have gone up and the products and everything related has gone up in part because think about what's what's gone up to trans. All that has to be transported via truck, right, and gas, and that those prices have gone up. Then you add in the demand for fast food workers to make quote a living wage. Now, who did you not have families, the members that worked at McDonald's in high school? I mean, the, again, whether we're talking about fast food workers or whether we're talking about those bagging groceries, these were never intended to be head of household jobs. So I'm tired. Of, so now everybody's having to pay $9.99 for, for, you know, a junior bacon cheeseburger, in part because not just all the other inflationary co- issues, but because of wages. And I want everybody to remember that as right now we've got um, Randy Weingarten, some union chief coming out today and saying, you know what, if the government has to subsidize the United Auto Workers who are now in day four or five of their strike with a 40 percent pay increase so that they can get 40 percent increase in pay to work 32 hours instead of 40 and get five weeks of vacation. And you're struggling right now because you can't afford to pay gas. Your car is breaking down. You can't afford to buy a new one. And you don't don't know how you're going to drive your kids around. I want you to think about these auto workers complaining that they need an additional week off when they're already getting four. I mean, some of these auto workers are going to be making mid six figures if they get all their demands while you're barely able to afford to feed your kids a kid's meal at Jack in the Box. They're not victims, these union workers. The taxpayers will are, are, are the rest of the American citizens are the victims in one way or another by these unions holding guns to the heads of these of these corporations in America, demanding more and more and more and more and more. And we are all the rest of it paying the price. Well, and if you're a, if you're a worker and you're working somewhere else with a skilled, um, you know, something that's a skilled job that took you a while to learn that and some entry level employee 
gets the same amount of money, it's that's just not good for morale, and that's just not good for um, our nation. Well, no, because in fact, I had a conversation with a friend of mine that left California to go to what she thought was a red state. Well, she is a licensed physical therapist. She actually went to school for physical therapy. It is something highly skilled. She be, and I became friends because I had my right shoulder was frozen. And then she, while she was working through my right shoulder to try to unfreeze it at calcific tendonitis, I, I didn't want to go through surgery. I broke my left shoulder skiing. So I ended up in physical therapy with her for well over a year. And um, so now she said that, um, she just recently decided to go back to work. She's been a stay-at-home mom. And what she's been offered literally is the same as what fast food workers are being made. And she's a highly skilled physical therapist in the medical field. And there's entry. It, it, that's, that's not acceptable. No. So she's not going to hustle. She's not going to bother go do. She might as well stay at home and be with her kid. So, you know, it, it, so the, this is very destructive to Americans down the road. And, 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 it's, and it's a cultural shift. Yes, we've got a problem with shoving too many kids into the college camp, but then we've also got a problem of, of having too many people in an entitlement society, kids coming out uh, thinking that, you know, they, they, you know they, can, they should just be paid uh, whatever they want to be paid, regardless of whether or not it's skilled. And so we're all paying the price for that. Before we go, I did have breaking news I wanted to get into with the opening segment. Who all remembers Ray Epps? Remember Ray Epps? The cool cat in the Trump hat, cheering everybody on, encouraging everybody to go into the Capitol. And after Donald Trump got impeached for, quote, inciting a riot and inciting violence that took place that day, and all the 800 to 1,000 or 1,500 Americans that were dragged by the FBI and the DOJ, thrown in a gulag, for, for doing nothing more. There's a dad and son that are looking at, I think, 12 years because after the Capitol Police pushed back the barricades, the Capitol Police let them in to use the restroom and actually showed them where the restroom was. And they're looking at 12 years. Meanwhile, Ray Epps, who everybody saw on video talking to violent protesters, encouraging people to go into the Capitol, actually ended up on 60 Minutes, never got charged, was on 60 Minutes the day before Tucker got fired. Uh, he was claiming that he was a victim of Trump and been defamed and yada, yada, yada. Well, the reality was that was all that was all part of the lefties and their Jan 6 lies and propaganda machine about Jan 6. Well, here's an interesting twist in the story. And the rumor was that Tucker quit the next day. The, well, the reason no, t- the reason why Tucker was fired the next day was because of the show he was planning to do that night was going to counter that Ray Epps phony story and was going to bust Ray Epps and the truth about who he is and his role on Jan six, six, <laughs> Jan six, uh, in a crazy turn of events today, but maybe not so crazy. Ray Epps is going to be charged. He's going to plead guilty tomorrow for some tiny little misdemeanor. He won't spend a day in jail. And this is nothing more than continuing to whitewash just like the indictment against Hunter last week was, was just meant to manipulate you into thinking that, see, there's not a two tier system of justice. It's equal justice under the Merrick Garland DOJ. That's the same play here. And I'm not buying it. And you need to not buy it, too, because you know what? It stinks. It stinks more than the new partnership between Hillary Clinton and, oh, now I can't remember who that was. 
because that's how stinky it was. I'm going to research that on a break and come back with you on that story. And by the way, bumbling Joe Biden was slurring all over the U.N. today. We got a few interesting, hilarious clips featuring the leader of the free world. Don't go away. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. So I got more emails today about the podcast. I love all y'all. I promise you we're going to get on those and try to get them all updated as soon as possible. Thank you for uh, your interest. <laughs> I'm not going to call anybody dirt daubers again for coming after me for the podcast because you know what? It, it always... Uh, does my heart good to know that you guys care about the show and you want to hear uh, what I have to say and you want to hear the content of the show. But I, I do want to remind y'all that we're down a man right now. Man down. Man down. Okay. And they should be uh, up gonna... either today or tomorrow. Okay. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Crack AK team. Thank you for that. Okay. So Joe Biden, leader of the free world. Occupant of the White House installed like a roll of toilet paper into the Oval Office, went to the U.N. today. I don't know whose idea it was. Who? Kamala Harris could not have embarrassed the United States anymore. There's just absolutely no way. There's absolutely no way. Here he is today, the bumbling, creepy Joe Biden. I would rather him going around sniffing people's hair than trying to act like he is some kind of uh, dark Biden, some kind of tough guy who actually has any kind of cognitive capability. Here he is bumbling and slurring at the U.N. today. Now, even as you evolve our institutions and drive <laughs> creative new partnerships, let me be clear. <laughs> Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. <laughs> Why did I not get to see? Why did nobody show close-ups of the audience when he was doing this? The best part oh, is, let me be clear. I know. Uh, uh. I want to hear the very beginning again. Can I play it again from the beginning? Because I cannot yeah, yeah, figure yeah. out what he said in the beginning. Now, even as we evolve our institutions. What? <laughs> what? Now, even as we evolve our institutions. Something about. We... Even as we evolve our institutions. I have no, I have idea, no what idea what. You're supposed to be the translator, man. You're the producer. <laughs> I have no. We need. I don't even think a lip reader could, would help. He's barely opening his mouth, and I think his dentures are falling out. I don't know. I mean, you know how sometimes you'll see like a couple people at, at a bar and they're like slurring really bad, but they understand each other. You know, I mean, it, he needs if they're going to put him out there, they need to have somebody who understands his slurring. OK, who can translate instead. We, he doesn't need somebody with the fingers because that person does is not going to be under. I don't know that hand. Um, what do they call sign the, language, the, sign language interpreters? I don't know that they can interpret this level of bumbling and slurring. So what they need uh, is a drunk guy to translate. Yeah. And he's on. Exactly so what the president is saying is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My dad used to love. I never really liked Sanford and Sons. I think I was just too young and just it wasn't my humor. Um, but there was a character on there that that is, Grady, I think, was the character's name. He was he was a good he was that actor did a good drunk. Uh, he, the actor who played Grady might have understood Biden. And then it gets worse because he talks about how they were partnering with China to accelerate the climate crisis. Can you play that one for me, Stiggs? Together with China on issues where progress hinges on our common efforts. Nowhere. 
Is that more critical than accelerating the climate crisis? And what I love about that one is, as he's completely, he's talking about partnering with China and accelerating the climate crisis, crisis. Uh, he, you know, he, he tries to act all tough guy. Nowhere. Huh. Like the angry Joe for emphasis while he's saying something completely stupid. Or maybe it's not stupid sticks. Maybe they are working with China to, quote, accelerate the climate crisis. Actually, what they're working with China on doing is accelerating the Chinese Communist Party's control over our country under the guise of climate change. Because we all know that there is no bigger polluter of the planet besides, you know, the pollution involved, uh, the metaphorical pollution of the Biden crime family and the corruption in the U.S. government is the Chinese government in China. Um, But then to make it even worse, then Creepy Joe decided he's going to talk about the LBGTQXYZ community and crowd. I really wish I could have seen the faces of those in the crowd when he started talking about this and saying this drivel. Do not have the potential stifled by systemic discrimination that the LGBTQI plus people are not prosecuted or targeted with violence because of who they are. These rights are part of our shared humanity. They're absent, when they're absent anywhere, their loss is felt everywhere. They are essential to the advancement of human progress that brings us together. They're essential. <laughs> for human pro- prom dress? What he said? I don't know. And I don't know what he said. What are you talking about? The <laughs> prop dress. <laughs> what did he say at the beginning? Something about be stifled? He's talking about stifled. have the what? potential stifled. Have the potential stifled. I love how he I just yells things, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah. I mean, you know, I, maybe they need to issue a, a statement of saying that, you know, or, you know, please, you know, please be kind. Our president suffers from Tourette syndrome. I mean, I, I've studied that. I mean, it's it's a tough condition. And I think for those people who have it, you want to not embarrass them. Um, you know, but this isn't a case of Tourette's. This is a case of a narcissistic, creepy old dude who had his daughter take showers with him, continue not, not wanting to get off the grift train of lining the pockets of him and his family through the U.S. government. And, and you know, he's been nothing but a pathological liar, a plagiarist, a crook, and the world knows it. And this is how low we are as a country. We are so low as a country that we would actually let that fool go to the United Nations. If this is, and by the way, if this doesn't prove that we have, no, if Reggie Littlejohn didn't convince you last night that we have no business being a part of the UN, that they're not only worthless, they're nothing but a power-hungry apparatus uh, in order to issue government control over our lives, they're obviously a worthless organization if there's anybody that would sit there listening to that fool. And give him any credibility. There's absolutely nothing that could be accomplished with any organization that gives any credibility to Joe Biden. All right, we're going to take a break. When we, I don't know if I got any more that I can that I, I can say on that topic. Oh, oh, you know what I, I do? I, I don't have anything I want to say. But before I move on, I did find it absolutely astounding the le- the the level that the left will go to try to pee on your leg and tell you it's raining. Here is, in the wake of these kinds of clips, it is absolutely clear it isn't Tourette's that he is cognitively completely gone. But here is Harold Ford. Remember Congressman Harold Ford? Here is Harold Ford actually saying that when Biden fell off the bike, 
It actually shows that he's in good shape. Mm -hmm. Let's hear that. President Biden's age is a consideration. Uh, he seems healthy. I, I'm one that uh, uh, probably veers a little more that I think the, the president's in better physical shape. I've never seen a guy ride a bike, fall off like he does and gets right back up. I, go, I know guys in their 20s and 30s who can't do that. So I give him I give him a lot of credit for even riding the bike. I think that they're I think that the standards are pretty low. No, no. But I think if you. Uh, yeah. So that's the definition of being in shape now. Sticks is actually being able to get up after you fall off of your bike. That's pretty funny. It is funny. You're, you're a wells. bike expert. Yes. You're in a bike club. Yes. I mean, how, I mean, do, do you have people, you know, um, he, he's in better shape than dudes in their 20s and 30s. So when you're out rolling with your crew, I mean, you got dudes in their 20s and 30s falling off your bikes and they can't get back up. Is it, it, that what's happening well, they, all day long? If they fall, I mean, it's like a turtle uh, that's turned over on their back. They just lay down there flailing their arms and legs <laughs> until someone comes over and turns them over. Then they can get back on their bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, let me ask you this, Sticks. I mean, you you roll with all kinds of peeps. Yeah, okay? all ages. The, People older all ages, than Biden. All ages, older than Biden, all different types of political views, all different types of peeps. Do you think people out there buying this nonsense? No. No one I know. There was a poll out to, no, they, I mean, th there was a new poll out today, I think, that said only 32 percent of Americans think that he would be able to make it through a next term. You no no amount of lying, subterfuge, gaslighting, trying to spin things around. Oh, what a great shape he's in because he got back up after a fall. I mean, we all saw that fall. It wasn't like he was mountain biking and went over a jump. OK, I mean, he was barely moving on the thing. And, you know, just didn't seem to know where he was and, and just he almost like fell over doing nothing. It was all like it was it was almost to the point of he was just sitting there and fell over. Right. Oh, by the way, this is a scary story. Speaking of bikes, Peloton is being sued um, because there was a Peloton user who was doing something that had to do with these Peloton classes to where they get off the Peloton bike at some point during the class, they get on the ground, they do floor stuff, right? Like sit-ups and stuff. And then he reached to use the bike, which I think is part of some of the instructions to use the bike and the bike fell over him onto his neck and killed him. So that is, so I just want a public service announcement. Yeah, that's a true story. No mocking, no laughing there. Just if you're a Peloton user, I wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, ignore what these um, classes are telling you in terms of using the bike to get back up and to do some type of stretch or whatever, because it could actually kill you. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. You know what would not have killed you when you had COVID? Ivermectin. Remember the horse dewormer? Dr. Pierre Corey will be here. He has a new book out called The War on Ivermectin. And we're going to discuss this issue with Dr. Pierre Corey when we return. Andrea Kay, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you guys along with me on this Taco Tuesday. Uh, yes, our podcast will be back up uh, tomorrow, so don't forget if you miss any, uh, hopefully by tomorrow. So if you missed any part of tonight's show, and especially these this next segment with Dr. Pierre Corey, you're definitely going to want to. And even if even if you get to hear all of it, you're going to probably want to listen to it a second time and maybe even share it with your friends. So uh, our, the podcast should be up by 
noonish tomorrow, and you can get it wherever you download your podcast. You can always email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com, and our 24-hour hotline is 844-814-5227. I know you guys are down with what we're going to be talking about in this next segment because we've been talking for three years about how Fauci, the CDC, the NIH, the NIAID, and all the rest of the alphabets lied to the American people, withheld proven treatments while they were hoovering it up, by the way, called treatments like ivermectin horse dewormer while they were hoovering it up. You couldn't get the prescription filled if your doctor wanted to write you a script for it. He might lose his license for it. Meanwhile, the deaths Count the death count were was in counts were increasing, and the protocols was for you to go to a hospital and be given remdesivir as well as put on a ventilator that likely ended up in your death. Well, joining me tonight to share the truth and remind everybody that ivermectin actually did work and save the lives of millions of people around the world is Dr. Pierre Corey, and he's got a book out called War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. And he joins me now. Hi, Dr. Pierre. Here, Corey. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hi, Andrea. Great, great to be here. Thank you. So, um, ivermectin, the I word, if you will, sure. it's become uh, you know a cuss word you're not allowed to say. Uh, certainly, doctors were not allowed to prescribe it. Um, why? I mean, that the simplest answer is what it threatened. I mean, ivermectin was a threat to a market that opened up overnight north of $100 billion. If I mean, the, the first is the EUA for the vaccines, right? They were, they were issued and authorized under an emergency use authorization. And you can't do that if there's an effective treatment that's been identified. And so that would be the biggest one, right? Because this pandemic had been anticipated for a long time. A lot of preparations went into it. And the single answer to any viral pandemic was going to be a global vaccination campaign. And ivermectin stood in the way, just like hydroxychloroquine did, right? So I wrote the book, The War on Ivermectin. One of my colleagues could have written the book, The War on Hydroxychloroquine, because it was the same war, same tactics. I mean, they had to destroy early treatment options. Yeah, they had to. Um, But... Why did they have to in the sense of why was it so important to them that they would kill Americans? Because I actually, you know, and you don't have to agree with me. It may sound hyperbolic, but I absolutely mean it, that I think Fauci and all these people in the government who denied these treatments that they knew worked and lied about it. um, I think that makes them, if Fauci himself, the greatest serial killer in the history of the world. And they did it to push the shots. Why? Well, first of all, the shots were, you could say, very profitable, right? Um, again, they've made tens, many dozens of billions of dollars there, right? So, I mean, when you think of those agencies in Fauci, I mean, they're all working in the service of the pharmaceutical industry, and they have for decades, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at the history of the pharmaceutical industry, it's literally a criminal industry. Um, they do not care. I mean, we, we lost mm-hmm. 55,000 Americans just to Vioxx. They have always covered up and suppressed and attacked any sort of information that would show the dangers of their wares. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they had to protect that, right? So the other thing that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine threatened were the competing antivirals like Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, things that our government wrote billions of dollars of checks uh, to buy, as well as buying the whole country remdesivir, which is toxic and ineffective. I, I mean, when you see the deplorable policies, I agree with what you just said. 
many hundreds of thousands of Americans died needlessly. This was the greatest carnage of a pharmaceutical fraud that I've ever seen. And it was a multi-layered fraud. I mean, everything was in concert to prop up those vaccines and destroy early treatments. Why? To me, it seems pretty obvious. Of course, but I, I saw through it from the very beginning. I was against the lockdowns, masks, six, the six-foot distancing. I never bought that there was anything even remotely similar or that there was evidence that it was anything similar to the Spanish flu. Uh, to me, I saw it as a, an obvious power grab. Here we are three years later. Why do people still have to have your book and have somebody like yourself come out and try to, and try to shake the truth into the minds of the American people? Yeah, so I would say two reasons. So number one, I think it's really important to understand the depth of the fraud that occurred around ivermectin. And, you know, I was someone who got a front row seat. You know, I was uh, part of a group, my nonprofit. We were building protocols, trying to develop the most effective protocols for the treatment of COVID in all of its phases. So prevention, early treatment, hospital, even vaccine injury. And we've worked on that for three years. And you know, as we started to identify medicines that could treat this disease, um, we were coming under attack. And so the, the reason why I think people need to read this book is they have to understand what happened in order for, to prevent it from happening again. And what they really need to understand, what I'm trying to communicate in that book, is I, I, I modeled the book around an article called The Disinformation Playbook, which was published in 2017. And it outlines these tactics that all industries employ when science emerges that's inconvenient to their interest. And never has more inconvenient science come out than the efficacy of ivermectin. I mean, you're talking about literally one of the world's safest prescription drugs. It's safer than aspirin, Tylenol. It's widely available extremely inexpensive to manufacture. It's off patent. And, you know, that's, you know, and then how they went about convincing the world that it was ineffective, convincing the world that it was a horse dewormer was they employed these tactics. And I actually outline each and every one of these tactics. I give lots of references to substantiate it. And I essentially expose to the world that this is a massive, globally coordinated disinformation campaign. And it was highly successful. It wasn't completely successful. I would say millions around the world know it's effective. Millions of people around the world treat it. 20, I think 23% of the world's countries uh, either have it in the guideline or it's permitted for use. So, I mean, the large parts of the world used it very effectively, not in the United States of Pharma, of course, or the United States of Fauci. Um, but, it, but it was widely recognized uh, amongst the minority of the earth that it was a very effective drug. And Well, and it was know. used, it was, it, it, I, I think I read, and I'm not sure if it was ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, but uh, the parts of India where they went with the Fauci route, people dying like right and left, yep. they go to the, you know, um, the treatment plans, either ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and people lived. Not unlike yeah. Africa. They didn't have the death count in Africa because hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, like in Mexico, is available in every pharmacy on the shelves. And they take it regularly for prophylaxis. Yeah. You have a population that's essentially, you know, uh, on one or two of the preventatives of COVID. So they, they fared very well. But, you know, you brought up India, and there's a chapter in my book that it's called The Miraculous Success of Uttar Pradesh. And it's a story of of a state in northern India of 240 million people. It would have been the 10th largest country if it was a country. And I detail what they did in that state. And it, 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 to me, it's one of the greatest public health achievements in history. They effectively eradicated COVID from the borders of that state with widespread aggressive 
testing, early treatment of anyone positive, uh, prophylaxing of household members who tested positive, or actually all household members, and all the healthcare workers were on it. And then by September of 2021, in their prior two and a half million tests, they had something like 200 positives. They had 67 out of 75 districts in the state that were free of an active case. I mean, it's effectively a 0% rate of positivity in that country. And it, it's absolutely tremendous. But the, the saddest thing about what happened in Uttar Pradesh is it was censored. Even in Indian newspapers, major Indian newspapers that had to write about the success of Uttar Pradesh, and they did. They blamed it. They pinned it all on contact tracing, testing, and quarantining. The word ivermectin does not appear in the articles. Wow. Um, to think that my U.S. government intentionally withheld and made it illegal for some, you know, because uh, I think, well, it may not have made it illegal. The pharmacies could have been deciding themselves not to prescribe it. Uh, but then again, they, uh, you know, there were reports of governors in some states that were hoovering it all up, and like that uh, government officials, while denying it to the American people, um, were actually sucking it all up and saving it for themselves and, and taking it themselves. But to think that our that the U.S. government was engaged in literally killing Americans by withholding uh, dr- treatment drugs, uh, treatments that worked so that they could make money off of the so-called treatment, which, by the way, we haven't even gotten into the shots themselves and the caught shots. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. Um, How much do you go into? Do you you have in your book details about attempts to cover up the the truth about ivermectin and who was all involved? What do we know about all? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I go very, very deep. I actually name names. Um, you know, I was working very closely with the lead researcher for the World Health Organization and Unitaid. He and I were colleagues. I detail how he got captured, all the actions he took to reverse his work on ivermectin. Um, he, he published a profoundly uh, positive meta-analysis of 24 trials, and he later self-retracted the paper and rewrote it throughout most of the studies and claimed that it didn't work. I mean, it, it's absolutely brazen what they do. And I also detail all the manipulations in the large trials that were done by pharma-funded investigators. The, the, the hijinks, the manipulations that they pulled, trying to bury the evidence of efficacy was astounding. I've never seen such brazen scientific misconduct. Really open, right on the pages of the published papers, you can see just brazen manipulations. And these things go unnoticed, and they don't get called out. And, uh, you know, like well, I said, I, I go, that, I go very Corey, deep yeah, excuse me for interrupting, but we're short sure. on time. Worse than that, the American Medical Association, the AMA, and others have joined in. They were, yep. They're were they a part of the tyranny. They're a part of the lies and a part of the cover-up and a part of the, the murders of Americans, not just in the denial of the treatments that worked. Telling I could not even get, I have chronic sinusitis, I couldn't even get my standard treatments for my average everyday sinus infection I get twice a year because nobody could get anything to relieve the symptoms. You had to stay at home until you couldn't breathe and were dying. Then the COVID protocols in the hospital were meant to kill you off if denying you of the treatments didn't work because hospitals were literally compensated to give remdesivir in combination with men, uh, ventilators that killed people. God bless you for writing this book and telling the truth because, quite frankly, Fauci should be in jail for, for murder. Tell everybody how they can get the book. 
Yeah, the best place is on Amazon or ICANN.org. I-C-A-N.org. They sell it on there as well. Um, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. I think it's critical to read. They're going to do this again. You need to know what this information is so you can spot it for the next uh, quote-unquote pandemics. Absolutely. The, the book is War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. Dr. Peter Corey, God bless you. You're a hero in my book. And thank you for being here tonight. Thanks, Andrea. Bye. All right. You guys stay tuned. We got a war going on in our southern border. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. From the war on ivermectin to the war on the United States in the form of an invasion at our southern border. Uh, Eagle Pass, Texas, yesterday was the scene of another major surge in the mass illegal migration crisis we've got. Evidently, uh, the numbers roughly are 2,000 illegal aliens came across and, and just right at the, at, at the point of entry. I mean, they're not even they're not even bothering to hide it. They're just like, we hear, hello, they ain't even knocking. This is like people that show up at your house unannounced and, you know, just like show up. And, you know, turn the knob, expecting it to be unlocked and letting themselves in. And these people are like showing up at your house, you know, unannounced. And not only are they not bothering to bring a hostess gift, these people are coming here to suck up all your food, your house, live in your house, take over your house, take all your money and just be basically take over your space and your life. That's what's happening here. But didn't Kamala Harris our borders are. Didn't she say to these people, wait, do not don't come. Don't be coming here. The, she literally has said the quote, the United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our borders. <laughs> they know good and dang well that it is an engraved invitation to everybody around the world to come here. Come here now, babies. That's why I don't know if you guys have seen the footage that went viral of a, of a train uh, coming out of, I think it's Zacatecas, which is a, a city in middle Mexico. And it's, uh, they have loaded up on, on a train, a, a Ferramex train, and to make the, uh, to come northbound to make the, making the 700 mile journey to the U.S. And one of the reasons why this went viral is they're hanging off the train, waving, smiling at the cameras, the people documenting it. They looking like they're a bunch of kids on like a make a wish trip to Disney World. Right. They're so happy to be coming here. And why wouldn't they be? It's 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 open kimono. It's come to the U.S. It's it come to Disney World, except you're not going to have to pay. Mm-hmm. Except you're not going to have to pay fifty dollars for the churro because the taxpayer is going to pay for that churro for you. Sticks, don't they have the best churros? Do you do you eat the churros at Disneyland? I haven't been to Disneyland since 1996. So I don't know. Oh, wow. That was before Disney went woke. Yes, yes. That's just strange, I, man. I've That's been, just strange. I've been boycotting them ever since because I knew they were going to go woke. You didn't. Nobody knew in '95, man. That they, I that saw was it. like 30 years ago. I saw it in Five O Goes West. <laughs> there was some very leftist meaning uh, messages in that Five O Goes West. Okay, but I don't you know, remember so seeing Five O Goes. At what point? And I know people have said it as a joke. But when they went the other day, it was they want to give them three hundred dollars a week. I believe it was mm-hmm. three hundred dollars yep. a week. Um, yep. So you get free schooling, free food, three hundred dollars a week. And I know people have joked about this before. But at what point does somebody from the United States 
illegally go to Mexico, like get a new identity as an immigrant and then come back mm-hmm. because it's easier to be an undocumented yeah. immigrant in the United States than it is to be a citizen trying to work with the way the economy is right now. No, it pays to be. And, and I got to correct you, my dude. You can say to undocumented immigrant, but I, I like to accurately describe them as illegal alien because to me, undocumented is somebody who's like lost their passport or lost their travel visa. These people are committed breaking and entering well, to it's get in this country. That, you know, you can, like you always say, you control the message, you control the minds. That's been hammered into me so much mm-hmm. that I don't, I, you know, I don't, I get no it. one says illegal aliens anymore. No, they don't. In fact, uh, I heard yesterday, I don't know if it's true because I, I hardly ever watch them anymore, but Newsmax reportedly, I have no idea if this is true, so I'm not accusing Newsmax of anything. I'm telling you, I heard Lara Logan Reporter Lara Logan say yesterday that Newsmax is telling their uh, host that they're not allowed to say illegal alien. They have to call them migrants. So it's actually gone from undocumented workers to just migrants now. And that's that's um, a, a messaging ploy because uh, it's it, it's meant to just completely muddy the waters. Nobody knows whether or not people are migrating here legally in the form of uh, an actual asylum seeker. That's been muddied. Uh, you're only you're not an asylum seeker simply because you don't like the conditions of your homeland and where you live. That's not what political asylum is. And there's very few countries in this world where there's actually political persecution going on that rises to the level where somebody coming here uh, gets to qualify for asylum. That would be uh, communist Cuba. That would be North Korea. That would be, you know, communist China. It doesn't it's not Honduras just because there's a bunch of gangs running around and people are poor. There's a lot of expats Americans that are moving to Honduras. A lot of these Central American countries where these people are coming from sticks. There's a lot of Americans moving there, moving down to these countries because the cost of living is so cheap. And they're coming here. And I get it. The Americans moving down there are taking the money that they've made in this country. But the point is, Americans are not going to these countries to be politically persecuted. It's not what's happening. These are poor people coming here. And I get it. I'd want to come here, too, if I was poor and couldn't feed my family in Mexico or somewhere else. But the bottom line is, if America gets destroyed, we are the country that because of our system that is being destroyed, that system is what made us the economic powerhouse in the world, able to to provide so much humanitarian aid around the world. And if we're destroyed, everybody goes down with the ship. That's the reality. All right, now stay tuned. We got hour two coming up. We got lots more to share with you guys, so don't go anywhere. Go get, take a little break, get a cup of tea, and then come on back. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 